Hello, brothers and sisters. Pastor Jason here. I'm excited to be back with you here on this episode. I want to encourage you once again to share this and with your friends and your family members. Share it on social media, however you receive this podcast. And I thank you for your support of reaching nearly 2,000 downloads now. And so we're excited about that. I want to talk to you on this episode about something that's very difficult to talk about. But you know, I'm not afraid to talk about any topics. As a matter of fact, that's one of the reasons why I decided to start doing these podcasts was because I think there's some things that needs to be talked about. And they need to be talked about, uh, you know, in light of scripture. And I want to talk to you on this episode about suicide. And I know that it's not a popular topic by no means as far as, you know, people wanting to just talk about this, but it's important, you know, our, our society is screaming out statistics that are just such an alarming rate like never before. You know, the NCHS data says that between 1999 and 2017, the suicide rate in the United States has increased by 33%. It's the fourth leading cause of death between 35 and 54 year olds. And it's the second leading cause of death between 10 and 34 year olds. Now that's an alarming, alarming statistics. And I'll tell you another statistic that's alarming is that the United States of America on a poll taken between Canada, China, Germany, Japan, Russia, and the United Kingdom, the United States is the only nation that the suicide rate has risen and it's risen between at 24 percent between 2000 and 2012 and i don't know about you but that's alarming you would think living in the greatest nation in the world that our suicide rate would be going down but it's actually going the other way russia of all places has fallen from 35 percent down to 19 and a half percent from 2000 to 2012. And Japan is closely, it's only lost its rate by 1.9% from 18.8% and 18.5%. But it's alarming that the United States of America is the only one that's really increased in their suicide rate. And I, so I think it's something that definitely needs to be talked about. And suicide uh, was in the Bible. You know, when we think of the suicide, of course, when we, I look at uh, Dr. Reiner's book that I mentioned a lot, he used the Bible title of Judas. And of course, when we look at suicide and we think of suicide, that should be the first person that comes to our mind. We know the story of Judas and we know that he was one of the 12 disciples. And that's amazing to me when we look at that, because sometimes we think with suicide that if we could just get people, you know, a little bit closer, just a little bit more spiritual, if we could just get them closer to the Lord, then they will keep from committing suicide. But we know that it's all about opportunity, self-perception, and the choices that we make. It ultimately is. And I know that's such a hard place to start, but it's so important. We do have a Free will, And God is not going to force us to do anything or stop us from doing anything. He can try to prevent. He can do the, you know, he is God, but he still allows us a free will to choose. And Judas had that opportunity. And again and again in the story of Judas that we know the Lord gave him opportunity after opportunity to repent. And I want to say this to you, because there's some people that are listeners that may have been affected deeply by suicide, maybe in your immediate family. And even the professionals can only be right about predicting suicide suicide 20% of the time. So a professional with her PhD or with her master's degree that is trained in counseling 
marriage and family therapy or a licensed professional counselor, they're only right two out of 10 times. So this is nearly impossible to truly guess if somebody is suicidal. We can make every effort, but we still have to know that we can't predict when suicide is going to happen. There's an alarming story, and the story goes of a teenage boy, and his father was a police officer, and the, and the boy and the father was having a struggle, struggle typical of a teenage son, and he, the, the teenage son just said, you know, basically leave me alone, let me live my own life, let me do what I you know need to do, just leave me alone. And of course, that's a normal request for a teenager, but he said one day he began saying, if you don't leave me alone, I'm going to kill myself. Of course, the father, being a good father, persisted in trying to parent and properly instruct his child. So one day the boy gets a hold of a gun and he says, I told you that if you don't stop, I'm going to kill myself. And he put a gun to his head and no one will ever know if it was on accident or on purpose. But when he put the gun up to his head, immediately the trigger went off and the boy died in front of his father. And it devastated the family. Obviously, he was a young teenage boy. You know, the father quit his job. They moved to another state and and it tragically, tragically changed the course of that family. And that's how these really people can be compulsive like that young man. Sometimes they're compulsions and they just are in a, in a, a heated argument or in a rage. They decide to do something compulsive. Uh, I know a friend of mine, uh, he had a a girlfriend at the time and she decided to jump out of a vehicle and then she tragically ended her life whether or not she meant to kill herself or not that's what she said when she jumped out of the vehicle at 60 miles an hour and time and time again these things happen by compulsions so but it's so important when we try to help these people i want to say this you know judas had the opportunity to be somebody in Christ. He had every opportunity. And you know, Judas, his actual name meant praise, that he was praiseworthy, but he was from a town of Moab. And we we know by studying the town of Moab, it stands for lust. Remember, I always think of the King Eglon in the town of Moab. And when I think of Moab and Eglon was a very, he was a very huge king. And the Bible said, a matter of fact, that he was assassinated when he was the man that came and stabbed him. And when he did, the sword disappeared into his belly. He was such a huge man. And so when I think of Moab, I remember that it stands for lust. And Judas, remember, he was the money changer. And remember when the perfume was spread on the feet of Jesus by Mary, that then Judas said, you know, this should have been sold. And, you know, Jesus rebuked him. Jesus said, you know, the poor will you have with you always. But we know later in John's gospel, it tells us it was because he was a thief and that he wanted to take that money and use it for himself. And it was a heart condition of Judas. Judas, that that God rebuked him. Jesus rebuked him. And you know, Judas was the son of Simon. So Judas actually had potential of being a rock or a stone, just like Peter did. Remember, Peter was rebuked as well. I think these lives are parallel lives, one that turns to Christ and one that chose not to. Remember, I mean, how sharply that Peter was rebuked several times. And remember when he cut the ear off of of Malchus and, and even in the garden at the betrayal, and then Jesus rebuked him. And, and then whenever he said, no, this shall not be, Lord, that you cannot die. And Jesus looked at him and he said, get behind thee, Satan. I mean, he sharply rebuked Simon Peter, but Simon Peter, even when the, when the cock crow, he says, you'll just deny me three times. And the Bible says that then Simon Peter went out and he wept bitterly. I mean, he repented and he turned, but in Judas's life, 
Remember at the very last supper, Jesus himself offered Judas the meat that was dipped in the sop. And it was, it was basically saying this was a sign of extreme gratitude and of actually a person of, of royalty would be given this sop. And Jesus gave that to Judas and gave him every opportunity. He put the branch out, if you will, to offer him a chance to repent. But Judas would not turn. You know, and if a person's in suicide, remember, Judas was not only re- re- rejected by Christ, he felt like that he was actually rejecting himself, if you will. But he was, he, had, he was rebuked by Christ. But then remember, Judas went to turn the money back into the money chambers. He, he sold Jesus out for the price of a common slave. You know, the 20 pieces of silver was just the price of a common, ordinary person. And that was a direct reflection of what Judas thought about himself, his self-worth. He was trying, he was projecting the idea that he had no value. Not only did he think he had no value, he thought the life of Christ was no more than the life of a common slave. He just didn't understand. And we know that Judas was rejected and they said, you know, we don't want your money. And so he threw the money down and walked away and wept bitterly. And then, of course, we know Judas went on to kill himself. And then the Bible says that his bowels gushed out. And what that means, that's a sign of internal deep pain. You know, it's it's this idea that there's such a hurt, there's such a low self-worth, there's such a uh, an emotional pain that's inside of it. He had a serious problem, an emotional pain, but... You know, there, there was nothing that anybody was going to be. I mean, if Jesus couldn't stop him, he could have by the power of God, but he chooses not to. God chooses not to stop us. But it's so important. Remember what Jesus said in John chapter 10. He says, I am the door. And it's so important to remember that because when a person's in suicide, when they're in suicide mode, if you will, when they're thinking of killing themselves, it's like they're in a dark room with only one door and their only escape is to be able to get out that door of suicide to stop the pain, the deep emotional pain that's inside of them. So our job with the person that's contemplating suicide, or if it's you that have thought about it, remember, Jesus says, I am the door. He's the door that we have to get open. I've dealt with several people dealing with them on suicide. And I've said, hey, you know, I got to kick the door of hope down. I got to open the door of Christ to him. I got to, because the Bible says that if you repent, thou shalt be saved. And if you're saved, that is to have an abundant life. I believe that no person, including Judas, was beyond the, the salvation work of making them whole and complete again and having a better life. I believe that, but it's our job to be that hope for them. There's been times I've been discouraged, maybe not necessarily suicidal, but discouraged. And someone gets to stand up and be the hope in my life because for whatever reason, I can't find the hope. And, you know, remember what it says in John 10, nine, he says, I am the door, but then it goes to ten ten. but the thief comes to kill, steal and destroy. I think it's important that we help someone identify that, these thoughts are from the enemy. I believe there are spirits of suicide that rest on people and even on families and generations that there are, there's, it's a spiritual battle. Remember what the Bible says in Ephesians, we fight not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of darkness. That's what we fight against. And it's one, you know, we can talk about mental health issues and struggles all we want, which definitely has something to do with these statistics. But at the same time, it's not all just inward 
problem. It's also an outward manifestations of a real spiritual battle that takes place over people. And we as Christians have to stand up and take authority over that spirit and that, that demonic spirit. You know, J- Judas himself was, well, he's, he was, ba- he was being controlled. The Bible says that Satan even entered into Judas. I mean, he was being manipulated by the devil. Now, I don't believe that that means the devil killed him, but he was being influenced. And I think it's important. Uh, it's hard for me to say, you know, we know that Christ walked with Judas but, and, and we're not Jesus. And he's got a little more, he, he's a little more uh, spiritual than we are, if you will. But listen to me, friends, that the disciples and all those around Judas were his friends and they poured into him and they did everything they could. God forbid if something happens, there's a suicide. When I've worked with people, here's what I try to do. I try to be their friend. I try to open the door for them. I try to appeal for them. I've hauled people to the emergency room. I've gotten a call, you know, on my cell phone and I've had someone that was in distress and I'll go talk to them. And when it seems like they're still suicidal, I haul them right straight up to the emergency room because it's an emergency. I mean, I don't take these things lightly, even though I know I can't guess it. The last thing I want to do is be wrong and someone commit suicide and then me have to deal with that. And if that's happened to you, I'm so sorry. But the bottom line is that's why I do these podcasts. It's time we take these things serious. And if you know someone that's suicidal, when you go and talk to them, if you can't get them to go talk to a counselor or a pastor or somebody, then I suggest you take them to the emergency room. Let them know the seriousness of that. And I've seen them check in a good shepherd and get medications and things. And then, of course, to follow up with medications, there's always counseling that should follow that up. But it's so important when we're dealing with someone with suicide that we are the ones that raise the alarm. We say, hey, this is a serious deal. You know, this is not something that we just need to ignore. Even if we think the people are bluffing, let's get two or three people around us. Let's get some other disciples around us and let's be praying for that person, breaking these spiritual strongholds and these principalities. But then let's get them support and come along beside them to be able to help. You know, when I've counseled people, I always, always try to get two or three other people involved when someone's suicidal. I don't try to handle that on my own. Because, hey, they might call me and the phone doesn't, you know, I don't pick up the phone, but they need to have some other people they can call. I believe in signing suicide uh, agreement contracts that says if I'm going to, if I'm thinking of killing myself, I'm going to call you that I'm going to agree not to do that. I have some down in my file at the church that are signed that's been there for years that I've had people agree that before you do this, you're going to call me. And, and that sounds maybe strange to you, but the point is, is that if we can do anything, what was Jesus constantly trying to do with Judas? What was he doing at the Last Supper? He was trying to make a covenant. He was trying to make an agreement with him. He was trying to get him to see that he was welcome at his table. And I want people to know that you're welcome at my table, that I will attend. If you're in need and you are battling, you can call me. We can pray. I mean, we got to put ourselves out there, friends. This is a, a thing of discipleship that we have to get the word out. But again, we identify that this is coming from the devil and also look into that person. And you know what the greatest thing in discipleship is, is when you can see someone for who they're going to become. You know, Jesus had a rock within him, just like Peter did. Judas, excuse me, had a rock within him, just like Peter did. Judas had the ability to be something great. And isn't that what God does for us? 
He finds something and he doesn't judge us according to where we are, but he looks us, looks at us according to where we will be. And he doesn't look at us for our sin, but he looks at us fearfully, wonderfully made according to his sacrifice through us being made perfect. And that's discipleship. That's salvation. Salvation is a supernatural work. You know, a friend of mine I was talking to the other day, and he said, you know, it was just four years ago that I found myself that I had a rope around my neck, a cord around my neck, if you will, and a revolver in my hand. And I was at, he said, I was at, out at the, at the back of my camper. And he said, I was going to end my life, but see God intervened. And I want to say this, my friend, you know, he, he was trying to serve God at times in his life, but he had some addictions he was dealing with. And he is also on some different medications that he was dealing with. And that's so important that I bring this up. You know, he was on some antidepressants and, and when he was taking those other medications, you can't expect to take a depression medication and then drink alcohol or do methamphetamine or do other painkillers and expect your chemicals to be right. And I believe with all my heart, not only was it a spiritual battle, there was a real physical battle going on there. Those medications were, were hurting them. And I, and this is worth mentioning. I had to say this before the program's over is it's so important that if someone begins taking medication, sometimes people will be depressed, but I've seen people get the wrong medication for whatever reason. There's so many medications you can get into and so many different effects, but some of those effects of these medications are suicidal tendencies. That's why we got to be under the doctor's care, but we, I've, I've sent people many times back to their doctor to tell them, hey, don't wait for an appointment. Call the nurse's station at the doctor's office and tell them, hey, I'm battling these suicidal thoughts. They're getting worse. Sometimes the very medication that people take can lead them to suicide. The very thing that was supposed to prevent them from feeling depressed can cause more depression. I've seen it happen time and time again. Sometimes it's just the wrong medication. It's, the, it's an experiment. Anytime a person gets medication, there's a time of experimentation. But also, if someone's taking medication, remember, they should always be going to a counselor. They should always also have a pastor and a discipleship group. I mean, friends, this thing isn't made. This Christian life isn't made on one person uh, or just two people. It's made on a community of people and believers that stand behind people and stand up and say, we will be with you. We will follow you through through with this. You know, we're not going to reject you. And Judas, in his case, he felt rejected. You know, he rejected Christ. Therefore, God laid down the boundary. Jesus said to him, if you're going to betray me, go and do it. Do it speedily, if you will. And so he went and did it. Then he was rejected by the Pharisees. You know, but here's another thing I've heard people try to do. A great error is they try to make the gospel all-inclusive. Jesus didn't do that with Judas. He didn't say to him, no matter what you do, Judas, don't worry about it. You know, you're going to be right with me, and I'm not going to lay down any boundaries. Friends, God lays down the boundary. He says, I'm the door. I'm the escape. I'm the way out. There's no other way. You need to turn to me. And I know that sounds so hard, but look at what Jesus did. Jesus, I mean, Judas's blood, if you will, if you was going to put his, his blood on anyone's hand, it would have been on Christ. He was his disciple. He was in the inner circle. He did miracles. He cast out devils. He preached the gospel. But Jesus still looked at him and said, Judas, you have your choice to make. If you're going to do it, go and do it. And I'm afraid we're living in a world now that's so all-inclusive that there is no separation. God help us, friends, if we tell people they're right with God and they're not. 
If they don't live a life of repentance and turn from their sin and turn from their selfishness, we can't include them in the kingdom of God. We're not rejecting them. They're rejecting Christ. We need to bring that truth out into light. We need to share that with people. God help us. You know, Ezekiel says, he said, if the watchman is watching and does not sound the trumpet, and then the, and then the sword comes and the watchman doesn't blow the trumpet, then I will require the blood of that person that the sword came to upon the watchman's hands. Friends, we're the watchman. We're the one that says, listen, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but by him. It's through Christ and Christ alone. That's salvation. It's a supernatural work. And I, I am a mental health advocate, if you will. I am all for talking about mental health, but I'm afraid sometimes we look so inwardly, we forget that the gospel is something outside of us, something greater than us, something that can't be obtained by simply being a better person or living a happier life. A happier life comes through Christ. It comes through repenting of our sins and turning to the one that can save us and changing us supernaturally. Friends, I know there's so much more here to talk about, but, you know, in 20 minutes, it's tough to do. But I'll say this to you. I do believe that you're called to be a disciple. And in doing that, we need to deal with people with suicide. We need to talk to people about it. One of the worst things we can do is seclude people and not talk about it, not talk about the elephant in the room. Friends, our numbers in the United States yeah, it is alarming. We need to be willing to talk about these things. We need to be able to go to the scriptures and look at people like Simon Peter and give people hope. We need to help people. We need to pray for people. We need to take authority over these things. But friends, most of all, I pray that you go out and you share the gospel. You share the hope of in Jesus Christ with a lost and dying world. And I believe if this nation will turn itself to God, these statistics will go the other way. Friends, I hope this word's been good to you. Until next time, God bless.